field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Welcome to White Sox Business, a podcast about Chicago's Southside baseball team, hosted by me, John Greenberg, and our own James Fegan. Subscribe to White Sox Business on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check out James's and my work on The Athletic as well. Currently running a $1 monthly promo. You can check it out at theathletic.com forward slash Southside. James, you are Mr. Ohio. Did you stop at any of the rest stops from Cincinnati to Cleveland, or did you just cut through those altogether? Rest stops? I guess you. I, I guess you probably went late to the at night. Of the state. I just drove. I just tried not to hit a deer, uh, which was my Wait. Indiana driving mode. Nice. So you were successful. All right. Well, let's set everyone up. James just went from Cincinnati to catch uh, kind of an unimpressive end to a White Sox <laughs> series there, and he is now in Cleveland. And we are joined by Cleveland beat writer Zach Mizell. Zach, did I pronounce your name last name correctly? Yeah, we have two acceptable choices in our household, and that is one of the two. Oh, what's the other one? Meisel is the technical name, um, but Meisel has always sounded more professional or esteemed, so I've never corrected anybody. It's it's led to a lot of controversy on the uh, Cleveland radio airwaves. Uh, that's uh, it's it's like a Joe uh, Theismann type thing. Yeah, or the exactly. Fegan Fagan split I've lived with every day of my life. <laughs> Yeah, that is a tough one. I don't even. I think I had to like kind of double check before we started the podcast to make sure I was pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> it's great. At least there's be- no right answer. Right. It's better than it's better than uh, for Sahadev. You know, he gets it. He gets it pretty bad. Right, but in that case, it's just a right answer that everyone's missing. <laughs> so going into this series, the final one of uh, the AL Central regular season. Four-game set. White Sox have a two-game lead on the Twins. Five over Cleveland. Four games. The White Sox are two and four against Cleveland this season. Uh, Aaron, how do you pronounce Aaron's last name? Savali? Mm-hmm. All right. Look at me. Savali last name pronunciation podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this turned into a, a different kind of pro- podcast. Um, and then Aaron Bieber go after that. Or Shane Bieber, not Aaron Bieber. So I guess you pronounce that first name Shane, not Aaron. Uh, Zach, what is, what is going on with Cleveland right now? How, I mean, we know, we, you know, I think everyone knows by now it's good pitching, bad hitting, you know, you, you can't be in the clubhouse to quote unquote, check out the vibe, but what is the vibe of Cleveland as best you can tell right now? I think everybody in the organization knows that they're going to have to pull the old get in and get hot at the right time method. Um, that's certainly, you never want that to be your plan A. Um, but we've reached the last week of the season. I don't think, I mean, it's possible Carlos Santana just all of a sudden catches fire. It's possible they stumble into three outfielders who can solidify that, that group, um, or that your catchers are going to start hitting, but there's been no evidence that any of that's going to, that over the course of 50 games, there's been no evidence that that's in the cards. So they know they need to pitch really well. They know they need to rely on Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. And, you know, that's kind of where they are. You know, it's weird. The American League is so strange. You know, there's a lot of good teams. There certainly is not one team that just seems like it's head and shoulders 
better than everybody else. So um, I think the Indians hope that their pitching can kind of even the playing field a little bit and, and maybe they can make a run. But I mean, if you ask Cleveland fans, I think the expectations are pretty low just because it's, I mean, they've seen the same song and dance for seven weeks now where it's just been a lot of three to two losses, two to one wins. Um, and it's, it's been ugly and painful to watch at times. Zach seems like it's been the recipe for more than seven weeks might be the source of the irritation. Yeah, but it, it hasn't been this, you know, the pitching has been their calling card for years and they've tried to fix the lineup for years. It hasn't, the, these are depths previously unseen. Um, I mean, Carlos Santana has been hitting in the one nineties all season. They've gotten absolutely nothing from the catcher position. They have the worst outfield um, statistics outside of the pirates in baseball. Um, it's, I mean, you look up and down, like <laughs> just, I know batting average isn't the, the end all be all, but it's remarkable how many players on this roster are hitting in the 100s or the low 200s. Um, it's it's just they have tried so many different people in so many different spots, and nothing has worked. Do people in Cleveland know they're still playing baseball, or is it just does Baker Mayfield need to record a PSA to say that that uh, the Indian season's still going on? So when the uh, the Indians won Thursday night, um, Shane Bieber pitched another gem. The, the offense finally came alive. And at the same time, the Browns hung on to beat the Bengals. And it was the first time in, I think, five years that the teams won on the same day. And that's a lot of – I mean, they play on the same Sunday four times at least every year in September. And so um, it's pretty remarkable that that hasn't happened in a while. But then I guess you think about the Browns winning one game in two years, and it, it's more believable. But, yeah, I think, I think fans are aware. I think they're <laughs> – you know, when when like this brand of baseball is boring, right? I mean, it, it looks like they had some stretches this season where they scored like five runs in six games. <laughs> I think they had a stretch where they scored one run in three games. I mean, it's it is painful to watch. It just looks like the players are are lethargic, and and even if that's not the case, it's you can only take so much. So I think. I think a pretty decent sized segment of the uh, Cleveland population is in the uh, wake us up in October mode. And if you win a few games, maybe advance past the wild card round, then maybe we'll start pay- paying closer attention. It- it's tough. I mean, I know. I, I remember driving. It, there, there seems to be, there seems to have been this like war brewing between fans who will remain loyal to the Browns, no matter what happens. And then, Fans who believe the Indians deserve more attention and more credit for being a, a mostly um, winning team over the last seven or eight seasons. Um, but it, I mean, it's hard when you get to September and the Indians are scoring one or two runs every night. I don't blame anyone for flipping the channel to see, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt go crazy. I, I always remember driving in the World Series, driving into Cleveland for the World, game one of the World Series or the day before for media day. And I told Sahadev, we were driving together, I go, I guarantee you once we get to Cleveland, we're going to turn on sports radio and I guarantee you they're talking about the Browns. And a hundred that was 100% true. When we turned it on, we both had a good uh, a good chuckle from that. Uh, James, the White Sox are 2-4 and four against Cleveland. You just watched them lose in Cincinnati. What are your expectations for them going into this, in, into this series? Well, 
it would lead into a larger theory and I would mostly throw it in, in Zach's face and see if he rejected it as um hogwash. But I feel like the Cleveland pitching staff is sort of stylistic foils uh, for the White Sox in the sense that they you, you see a lot of guys with who are maybe not seen as, you know, overpowering arms when they're first drafted, but are, you know, their their carry their calling card becomes command. Uh, and for a White Sox offense that is very like aggressive and very much like you can't make a mistake or we'll hit it 450 feet. But if you put the ball where you want it to, we'll swing at it uh, hopelessly a lot. Um, it's it's just always struck me as like uh, a bad matchup for them, um, for their offense. And while it doesn't change the fact that Cleveland can't hit too much, it, it leads to them playing a lot of nervy games against each other because the, the White Sox offense can't really break out or crush them the way they, they do uh, so proficiently with the Tigers and, and Royals. Um, and, you know, maybe even I feel like they're even more difficult pitching matchup for them than the, than the Twins are. Um, so especially with so many guys in a funk right now, Yuan Mankata really just not like himself. Um, Luis Robert um, probably encapsulating every doubt I had about Luis Robert within the span of a single month instead of over a six-month season. Um, it, it seems like they're not in a great place uh, to enter this kind of series, but I also think like, if they really think of themselves as, as world series uh, contenders or AL championship contenders, this is like, this is like the, the, the big hurdle that they need to clear to kind of show that they've taken that next step. And I know the Cleveland Indians do not fashion themselves as a stepping stone on the White Sox ascension, but it, it, it strikes me as an interesting matchup for them. It's yeah. You know, what's interesting is teams like the little bit of success um, they've had against Indians starting pitchers this year. It's been when they've shown patience and like Shane Bieber has this just all world curveball that guys can't help themselves swinging as it bounces in the dirt. Where they've had success is laying off of that. And it's tough because Bieber has legitimately five pitches he can turn to at any time. But if you can lay off and work into the count, he has had a few starts where he's not gotten through six innings because the pitch counts up. Um, you know, maybe he's, he's had a few starts where he's walked three or four guys. So it's possible. Um, you know, the Indians are going to probably switch up their, their starting pitching for this series because they, they can technically clinch um, their magic numbers two, And they don't want – the way it's lined up right now, Bieber would start Tuesday – and then he would start Sunday. That would make him like unavailable for the, the first round of the playoffs. So they're not going to do that. What they'll likely do is push him back a day or two to line him up to pitch game one of the wild card series. So it'll be interesting to see what they do to make that happen. You know, maybe Adam Plutko gets involved. Maybe they call somebody up from the alternate site. Um, but they're going to kind of mix and match here really for the final week just to get everything in line and who knows it could be indians white Sox in the first round of the playoffs anyway right and, and right. to date so, i think the white Sox primary method of offensive success has been wait till brad hand gets in the game and i don't <laughs> know if that's really like first of all looking at it brad hands having a good season other than whatever terror the white Sox have inflicted on him but also i don't know if uh the, how viable or out of sustained success that is he uh he had a really nice stretch i think it was 12 appearances where he didn't allow an earned run. Um, 
but it's I don't know if it's smoke and mirrors or not. It's it's weird. He's he throws ninety. That's his thing now, and so his slider still moves a ton. It's tough to hit, but if he can't throw it for strikes and you can sit on a fastball, which seems to be what White Sox hitters would prefer, um, you can hit him pretty well. And since it's ninety and it's no longer ninety-five, and um, you know if he gets ahead of you, I think you can you can assume he's going to throw the slider because that's his out pitch. So I mean, he's he's simpler to hit now but he has somehow had success this season it's been surprising i was ready to write him off um just because he looked like he didn't have it anymore we've seen in cleveland like andrew miller go through that cody allen went through it brian shaw where you just pitch so much and you're effective for so long and then you just lose it i thought he was there but he seemed to find a way to to make it work if these two teams, you know, you said match up in the first round, I don't know. Is that still right now? Is that still the schedule? Cause I know the blue Jays kind of snuck in there too with the Sox. Right. Right now they're the, they're the two and seven matchup. Okay. So they're the two and seven matchup. All right. That changes things. You know I mean? That's like, then like you were talking about Zach. I mean, obviously they're, you know, where, where Cleveland is now, they want to clinch, but then they want to just make sure the rotate. The most important thing for both teams is making sure the rotation is set for this best of three. So, you know, how do you guys think each team matches up? I mean, this, you know, the Indians have gotten the better of, of the White Sox so far, but it'll be a really interesting three-game series, and it'll be in Chicago. Well, I think Bieber Giolito would be a ton of fun. Um, James has written about it, it seems like, multiple times every season, but every time Giolito faces the Indians, all he has to do is throw some change-ups, and the Indians can't seem to crack that code. Um, so I think... I think that would be a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's your classic matchup of an incredibly strong lineup against a really talented pitching staff and in a best of three situation, trying to predict what may or may not happen. seems like a fool's errand. Um, but I, I mean, the White Sox have been, I think them and the Padres, the most fun teams to watch this season and just to watch blossom. And, and when you see a team kind of grow up in front of you, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. And the Indians, like, I, I don't know. I've been saying they could, it would not surprise me if they just lost two quick games and called it a season or if they won a couple series. I mean, with their pitching, all you need is a few timely hits. So it's, it's not impossible to do that. And you have some, some upper echelon players capable of it. But can they get guys on base around Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor? There's no evidence to suggest that they can. So, you know, they'd have to just get hot at the right time. What is um, – is Terry Francona going to come back for the playoffs? Yeah, I think a lot of people probably – I guess, you know, most Sox fans do, do understand that Sandy Alomar Jr. has been managing the club with his health problems. I wonder how many people in baseball, just casual fans, even know that Francona has been out so much. Um, don't know. I'm guessing no. He's been like on their last homestand. He was at the ballpark watching from a suite here and there. Um, but he's, you know, he hasn't managed since, what was it? Mid, mid August. So it's been like almost six weeks, I think. And, um, you know, he's managed 14 games all year. Sandy Almar has, has done the bulk of, of the managing 
it would be a weird time to just bring him back into the fold now since he's been away for so long. So my guess is he'll just come back next year. Um, but who knows? I mean, it's it's amazing that, that he hasn't opted out yet. So he's, he's at least keeping his options open. Um, but, you know, he's he went through some pretty heavy stuff. He had right. blood clotting, he had gastrointestinal issues, mm. had a bunch of operations. So I don't think anyone is, you know, rushing him back, except maybe Sandy Alomar, who keeps joking that, he wishes Francona would come back yesterday. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's really been a collaborative effort. It's been strange. You have guys coaching in different roles than they're accustomed to. Cause it's not just Francona, Brad Mills, the bench coach opted out hitting coach oh, yeah. Tyvan Berkeley opted out. So they've had to rely on, on some coaches who are either new to the staff or, you know, they have new first and third base coaches. They have a new bench coach. It's, it's really all hands on deck. And and it's been, I think, kind of a work in progress. All right. Well, Zach, uh, we'll let you go because I'm sure you've got more important things to do. You probably got to go on Cleveland radio. Um, where should last question for you? Where should James eat downtown in Cleveland while while he's there? Ooh. So, is it I the mean, Euro place that's next to my hotel? <laughs> Where are you staying? Uh, the residence. Uh, he's under no, an assumed I mean, name, though, people. So don't try to call him or, or find him. <laughs> Plus, you have to guess if it's vegan or vegan. If, <laughs> if you get it wrong, they won't let you in. Go hit up East 4th Street. There's a bunch of really good restaurants that I know need all the business they can get it this time. Um, they haven't had the foot traffic. They haven't had brown Sundays. They haven't had um, you know their nightly Indians walk-up crowd. So... East 4th Street has a, a bunch of places with delicious food. Yeah. What was it? The gre- is it a greenhouse or treehouse or one of those places? Greenhouse Tavern closed. Their, oh, it did? Their uh, owner was doing some stuff with finances, I think, uh, that maybe didn't fly. So. Yeah, he's like, uh, taxes, well. taxes, schmaxes. <laughs> but I do know Sadov and I ate there every single day during the World Series. So we, yeah, we tried. Yeah, he probably and he pocketed our money and didn't uh, whatever. But all right, I, I can't give you any help then, James. That's his choice, you know, as a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thanks for joining us, Zach. Uh, maybe we'll see you uh, in uh, back in Chicago in about a week. Sounds good, fellas. Thanks, James. Let's pause for a moment, and then we'll be back with the rest of the show. Hey guys, I know this is the conversation that you don't want to have, and I understand erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, hey, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's safe, simple, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. 
The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is just as simple as going to GetRoman.com slash socks and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today by going to GetRoman.com slash socks. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Again, that's GetRoman.com slash socks. James, we've been talking a lot about the White Sox rotation and just kind of how it'll how it'll fill out for a playoff rotation, which is a fun, unusual conversation uh, for this baseball team. Uh, it kind of seems like you know we were the fun debate. I think you started with the Dane Dunning or Dylan Cease has been answered uh, by Dylan Cease and his lack of command and my mentions and your mentions, <laughs> which have been rough as usual. What is Dylan Cease's role on this team uh, come the wildcard series? I don't know, man. <laughs> like, the, it's not binding, James. The, the, the disparity between what they want him to be and thus what they're giving him the opportunity to show and what he's been providing his last five starts just keeps getting wider. So when like this cold brush of reality of what they actually have to do when their season's on the line comes in i don't know the dude walked the park like the other night like i don't and he's like um i was i almost asked zach uh meisel about like how what is it like when when sandy alomar tells a joke like um you know i wish terry francona was back because i feel like rick renneria he can't he can't be glib or cheeky with us of anything because if it gets presented, literally everyone freaks out on him. But the other right. day we were talking or yesterday we were talking about cease and cease is obviously expressing like, you know, I got five, four days to fix it for our next start about pulling the ball glove side again with everything. And I asked Renneria, like, is that a reasonable expectation that he can kind of correct this thing? Uh, you know, his next start, Renneria was like, oh, it's possible, but we've been working on it all year. Like, it's not how things work. It's not like I'm just going to tell him, stop pulling the glove side and you know, he'll be great right. and throw strikes next time out. Like, it, the stat that uh, was pointed out to me and thus I wrote about was that Cease's walk rate is now higher than 2018 Lucas Giolito's. That dude overhauled his entire delivery afterwards that season. So... I'm not suggesting the same for Cease, but it's, uh, you know, there's a big gap between where he is right now and what's really usable. And I suppose you could, I mean, he looked great in the first inning uh, on Sunday. You could put him out there and just have a really short playoff leash when it's, you know, game four or five where you're already kind of, everyone kind of assumes your fourth or fifth starter in a playoff situation is mostly going to be bullpen and pulled at the first side of trouble. But, uh, Given that you know the sign of trouble is coming at this point, I mean, he hasn't gotten into the sixth inning, or at least he hasn't gotten an out in the sixth inning in his last five starts. I think you would avoid that scenario as much as possible. I think he's like your five in a in a you know a division setup where it's five games in a row. But even then, you probably have to be so prepared to just have Gio Gonzalez at the ready or someone else that you're or Matt Foster pitching two innings that I don't know if would you even like reserve that start for cease or we just have him come in at some point for like uh, an inning of right handers or something like that. He just hasn't, he hasn't given you anything to really trust. And even though he's just strangely kept runs off the board, you can't 
put out a guy who's uh you know 13.6 percent walk rates too high for a reliever let alone a starter um <laughs> i don't know man well, when the big and the big problem too i mean like you know let's say cleveland after let's say it's cleveland the first round and maybe they beat cleveland they go past it then then you're, you're in uncharted territory right and then you're going to start i mean i don't think you would take they wouldn't face minnesota in the divisional round would they uh think they i don't think they would but no. you know if they mess up around i guess they could right no, it's just not. you know i'm just trying to think of them actually like the one thing you know we've talked about a lot this year but you can't really i don't want to say like we just don't know exactly what it means is that they've only played a certain you know such a small s- sample size of teams so like like you said do you you uh, Dylan Cease can do some of this stuff against these central lineups, but then you're facing maybe some better teams, better hitters, and you know his little tap dance along the line, you know, is going to run into some real problems. I mean, Cease is such that when his stuff is remotely commanded, he he kind of um, can kind of beat anybody. Like, right. it's not so much that like I think he's just throwing slop up there. It's not like. You know, no, watching Ivan Nova it. carve up the 2019 Tigers, where he's just throwing 89 mile hour cutters in the zone and getting ground outs. Like he's legit, and you know, I, I think of kind of the the other side of the coin, where I think Tim Anderson hitting the Cleveland Indians as much but well as he had is probably his one source of insulation among the fact of you're you're winning the batting title based off the Tigers and Royals. Um, it's it's just a. If when Cease is good, he can beat anybody. When Cease is bad, he can lose to anybody. And right now, we've kind of just mostly seen what he can do that can take him out of play against you know pretty much any crowd. So, are we going to see a Ronaldo Lopez playoff start? I think so, but I don't like the the. And it's a weird thing to tout him at because he's not the command guy. But the mo the main thing you can say about his last two starts is that he hasn't pitched himself out of it. Um, right. I haven't, I really suspicious of the fastball right now. Uh, this is a guy I've seen hit 99 in games and he got taken deep by a Josh Johnson for a 91 mile hour fastball. Um, thankfully Josh Johnson kind of, uh, did everything he could to take the attention away from that, but it, it doesn't seem like Ronaldo has all the juice that he has. And I thought he did really well to kind of, um, both pitch away from his own scouting report, but also pitch away from maybe what wasn't at 100% his last time out. And I think as a starter in a game that has a lot riding on it, you would sooner just have a guy who's going to throw strikes and you just pull him when he starts to run out of gas a little bit than whatever Cease is kind of giving you at this point. But it's really not optimal either way. You really got three starters that you trust, and one of them has pitched five games in his career. And uh, one of them's coming off a shaky back and, you know, didn't hit 89 last time out. But it's fine because Dallas Keuchel, does that. Um, I, I think the at this point, I, I would I would probably feel more comfortable writing huge innings on Cody Hewer and Matt Foster uh, than I would with, uh, with Cease at the moment. And that's probably how things are going to shake out because the bullpens are going to be uh, taxed a lot. And that's why I would probably say if you're analyzing if they're going to win the Cleveland series or go beyond – they really need Evan Marshall and Aaron Bummer healthy. Okay. Um, MVP race updates, James, Jose Abreu or Tim Anderson. Have you, have you pulled the two, uh, the two Sox writers who have AL MVP votes uh, to see where they're, where they're headed? 
Uh, I have not specifically asked that question, but I think it's pretty obvious that they lean more of the old school Abreu's getting so many RBIs route. I don't think my uh, WRC plus arguments for Tim Anderson or positional value were going to fall upon us carrying ears. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would think that would probably lean Abreu and the fact that, you know, Tim's tweaked the hamstring and, you know, Abreu's just kind of continued to mash uh, probably speaks a lot to him. I don't think uh, the Anthony well, uh, uh, Rendon FWAR uh, war argument for me is is going to you know make inroads to the, to the people who have a- well, AL MVP votes. Well, Abreu is ahead of him in F and FWAR and in uh, weighted runs created plus, not by Anderson much. Anderson or Rendon. Oh no, I'm sorry, I was talking about um, Anderson and Abreu. Ah, uh, well, I guess first baseman's just uh, hitting lots of dingers uh, does have value at the end of the day. The sabermetricians were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> his smile actually. They Fangraphs, as you notice, have uh, instituted a smile uh, function. It's uh, you know they, they they I don't know if they've cross tested it for certain biases, but but you know they're on the bleeding edge of research. I, I think Anderson should get some benefits though for for uh for zingers. You know he zinged uh, Trevor Bauer the other day. That should give him a you know. A little. I'm surprised it didn't blow up more. I thought that was really funny. It was really funny. I don't know. I maybe just people are. I, I maybe just because people are just used to him. Both of those two saying stuff. You know, it's not like unusual. Oh, Tim Anderson, you know, said something. Oh, Trevor Bauer. And I think Brower loved it. You know, Bauer went back right. at him. So I think maybe that people like, uh, you know, what they say it's people like negativity, James. They don't. Like, right. Their uh, good natured spat isn't making as much heat as if they actually hated each other. Exactly. Uh, but I thought that was funny because really they're polar line. opposites, but they don't polar they seem opposites. to respect each other. Exactly. And that's one thing like, you know, as we, we've talked about ripping on Trevor Bauer before, I do give him a little credit that he is. He seems like the kind of guy that would be a little hypocritical if you just thought about him. Like, you know, he would go sure. off on some guys. But right. But he's not actually. And, and he is pretty like consistent in like, you know, the idea of personality belonging in baseball. So I give him credit for that. It's a fun little rivalry. You do have White Sox fans now with their little pipe dreams about uh, Trevor Bauer coming to the South Side. I would love to see Trevor Bauer and Don Cooper together. <laughs> I'd love to write that book 10 years later. That would be an interesting one. I would love to see what about back. Can you imagine? Uh, I don't know if that would work out so well, but it'd be, it would definitely be fun if, if you had at clubhouse access. Yeah. yeah but well, we don't. Luis, too, too bad. It's never coming back. Right. Luis, right. <laughs> Luis, not, not something not so funny as Luis Robert right now. He's really uh, went head first into that rookie wall. Yeah, he talked about it specifically in a way I found interesting. Like, I think the last home run that Luis Robert hit was that ball he hit to basically Missouri. Um, right. Or I forget where the park is. He hit the Kansas or Missouri? Not important. <laughs> he hit it really far. And uh, he hit this hanging slider. And that was basically how Robert's been being attacked was just breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking balls. And it was the way Eloy Menes was attacked as a rookie. It's the way pretty much any rookie worth his salt is attacked early on. And he was swinging and missing a ton, but he had been really pretty good at identifying the balls and really good at if you made a mistake or hung a ball, he was going to be all over it because he was already looking for that from you. And what Robert said was that basically after that, um, he he reached a kind of a breaking point where pitchers are like, well, I'm not, I'm not just going to spam him breaking balls. He, the, the 
the penalty for messing up is too severe. And they started pounding with fastballs again. And he felt like that caught him a little bit by surprise. And in turn, in trying to gear up for it, he felt like he took himself out timing wise and where he was, as uh, Hawk would put it, he was in between uh, for, for weeks on end and is really only starting to come out of it. It was felt like he was flying open a little bit with his swing and uh, just put himself out of whack a little bit mechanically. The last couple games have had, I mean, obviously not Luis Robert, but signs of hope. Um, it's almost obviously notable anytime he walks twice in a game like he did Sunday, uh, as much as everyone seemingly walked twice uh, on Sunday. But uh, there's a little bit more of identifying the pitch. Um, there were a couple line drive outs the past couple of days. Uh, you know, Rick Renneria said that they're keeping him closed and his, his swing a little bit better. Um, and just the fact of what he described and he was so cognizant of what was happening to him um provides a little hope that he would get right but at the same time there's seven games left and uh you know he's i think six for 60 or something along that line for the month so um they they definitely needed to not be a gradual process for him to come out of it because you know nomar mazara's uh, one home run has not yet opened the floodgates yamankata is still kind of a ghost of himself uh they need some guys to kind of get right um to make that back third of the lineup as punishing as it was uh during their best stretches of the season I foresee him having a good game or two against the Cubs. So maybe that series will really get them, get him geared up uh, for the postseason. All right, James, have fun in Cleveland. Um, yeah, just stay safe and uh, come back and we'll, we'll uh, close the season out with a little crosstown uh, classic at uh, on the South side. Thanks a lot for joining us. Make sure to rate us. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, tell your friends uh, because this podcast is about to head into postseason mode. Um, the last time the White Sox made a pod made a postseason, I don't think podcasts were a thing. So this will be fun. Thanks a lot for joining us. Mm-hmm.